Welcome. Pull up a seat, grab a cup, and get ready to share, listen, and learn. This is my favorite coffee story with your host, Aniko Samoji. You'll hear about the stories about coffee itself, the history, health benefits, recipes, and more, along with some personal stories inspired by coffee and the lifestyle. Now, here is Aniko Somoji. Welcome to my favorite coffee story. Welcome to our listeners all around the world. Welcome to our friends in the UK and in in Dublin and also in Korea and Japan. And welcome to our listeners also in the U.S. and Seattle and Texas and Los Angeles and San Francisco. We're so delighted you've joined us today and we have a fantastic show. We're talking about a passion for all things coffee with a wonderful guest, Brian Williams. And before I introduce Brian, we have our Anikona Farm moment. We've... um, We've had a lot going on on the farm, and of course, we've had some volcanic activity going on over on the other side of the island, And but we've all been pulling together, and all is fine here, and uh, we have some volcanic ash in the air that we're kind of sorting through, um, but hopefully the rains will come and we'll be fine. Uh, we haven't experienced earthquakes since that one that we had on Friday. Uh, a week ago or so, but um, we're just uh, doing well. We just picked up some wonderful dark roast coffee from the Halualo Kona Coffee Mill that we'll be sharing with our customers, and they do such a great job in air roasting our coffee, so I'm very grateful to them, and um, I'm pleased if our customers will enjoy that. So now let's talk about a passion for all things coffee. We have Brian Williams joining us, and we're so delighted he's joining us from the UK, and Brian has a favorite blog that we all enjoy called Brian's Coffee Spot. And he's also written a book, The Philosophy of Coffee. He lives in Guildford, UK. He travels the world. He visits coffee spots all around the world. And we're going to share about those today. So welcome, Brian. We're so so glad you've joined us today. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, we're so delighted. And We just love your blog, and I know all your readers do, and how you share about coffee spots all around the world, and you visit these coffee spots too, so the ones you write about, you've actually been there, and you bring them to life for your readers, uh, which is so exciting. We thought we'd ask you, Brian, a little bit about your early days of your career, growing up times, family times, please. So... Growing up, I grew up in North Wales uh, in a small town called Hollywell, and there's nothing much to tell about coffee from my early days. We were very much a, a family of instant coffee drinkers, and I'm um, ashamed to say cheap instant coffee drinkers at that. And it wasn't really till I got to university that I, I started to appreciate good quality coffee, and that was that was a very slow journey. Um, I did my first degree, which was uh, in theoretical physics, of all things, at the University of York. And it was there that I started really just visiting friends who used to, back in the day, make um, pour-over coffee. Well, we, I wouldn't call it pour-over coffee now, but uh, little electric filters, and they'd buy pre-ground coffee from a, a shop called Taylor's of Harrogate, which is still going strong. 
and we just they just buy different coffees and we'd make a big pot of coffee and sit around and drink it and that was the first time i really began to appreciate coffee as a as a drink that i enjoyed rather than something i just consumed and i suppose that was the start of my coffee journey so and that's going back ooh, over 25 years now Oh, that's that's so interesting how you went from instant coffee to what you call real coffee. And you took a, Ro- a Rome trip in around 2000. And it sounds like that was a trip that really introduced you to espresso. Please share about that. Yeah, so that was that was a real uh, revelation to me. But I had had espresso before that. I think the first time I'd had espresso was on a trip to Spain about 10 years earlier. And I distinctly remember it, this small cup with this very short amount of black liquid in it that I was served after dinner and I was distinctly unimpressed I, I can I have this vivid memory of it being very bitter and of uh, my comparison in my head was like it was like drinking crude oil but <laughs> after that I, uh, I slowly progressed with my coffee drinking but then I went to Rome and I really fell in love with Roman espresso and not just the coffee, it was also the culture that went with it, the espresso bar, the way that you go in, you order your coffee at the till and you pay for your coffee at the till and you get a little slip of paper and you take that up to the espresso bar where there's usually two espresso machines going full tilt with maybe four or five baristas and you can either stand at the bar or you can sit on a bar stool at the bar. You hand over your ticket and then your coffee arrives. And usually you drink it very quickly. It's just a few sips and then you're gone. It's, I mean, it's in the name, espresso. It's meant to be quick. But then I really got espresso. It was this rich, flavor-packed drink that had a real punch to it. And that was like an open door to me. And suddenly there was this whole new world of coffee. I came back to the UK and I started drinking espresso. And I think that was the the real point of change before then coffee had been although I was enjoying it it was a drink that I was drinking to have something to drink whereas the espresso I was drinking for the espresso it was for the flavor it was for the taste and that was quite quite a revelation to me it was and it was a real change of mindset yes yes and I can see how that was Maybe a, a start of that that passion, that passion that you have for all things coffee and that so many people do have. Uh, thank you for sharing about your Rome trip and, and definitely inspiring us about espresso. So how did you decide to blog, Brian, about coffee and also learn about coffee equipment and, and uh, just in general about coffee? So the coffee blog came about, it's quite a long story, and it actually starts about the same time that I went to Rome and discovered espresso. One of the things I've always enjoyed doing when traveling is visiting cafes. Uh, if you go back to about the year 2000, in the UK, we had a very nascent coffee scene. Um, we were just starting to get the big chains coming over. But a lot of places that serve coffee would actually be serving instant coffee. And the height of sophistication was somewhere that served uh, filter coffee. Espresso was pretty much unheard of outside of the chains. So cafe culture in the UK, it wasn't really there. And so when I, went to, when I traveled, I, I would get the guidebook to whatever city I was going through. 
sorry, going to, and I'd go to the back and I'd look up all the cafes and I'd tick all the cafes that I wanted to visit. And I became quite well known amongst my, my social circle for being the guy who went on holiday and visited all these cafes. And back then I had the idea of blogging about coffee, except back then there was no such thing as blogging. I had my own website um, and in the end, I decided not to do it. And I'm very glad that I didn't do it then because I don't think it would have been a great success. There was no social media. There were no blogging tools. I don't think anybody would have read it. So that idea kind of became dormant in the back of my head. And then in the summer of um, 2012, I was at a bit of a loose end. Uh, I needed a new project. I was in a, in a slump. Um, and... At the time, I was a basketball correspondent for my local basketball club, and I used to write match reports and take photographs of the games, and I was talking to a friend of mine and saying, I really need some new thing to do. And she said, well, why don't you write a basketball blog? And this, this is literally true. From the moment she said that to it going in sort of through my ears and processing through my brain and coming out of my mouth, it was about two seconds. And I said... Oh, a coffee blog. That would be an excellent idea. And I think all of the components of it had, had been there. So that very early idea of writing about cafes. Uh, and at that point, we had blogging. We had social media. At that point, I was taking pictures of my coffee and posting them on social media. And suddenly, it all came together. And I thought, yeah, she said basketball blog. And the word basketball got replaced by coffee. And I said, yeah, coffee blog. And I was so struck by that idea that I took it and I ran with it. And that was in the summer of, as I said, 2012. And it took me two months from that conversation to launching the coffee spot. And I did all the design. I did all the, uh, the logos, the taglines, the concept, and what I wanted it to be. In those two months, I built the website and I went out and I found, say, the first 10 places I was going to write about. And what, what I'm very pleased about is that the basic concept of the coffee spot hasn't changed that much since those early days. I've evolved it a little bit. I've added a few things to it. But the core of what it is was set back in those summer days of 2012. And that is to write about places I like to go and have coffee. I'm very clear about this. I'm not a reviewer. Quite a lot of people call my pieces reviews, and I'm always quite clear to say no they're not reviews because i believe to be a reviewer you have to be prepared to be critical and you have to be prepared to write about things you don't like and i don't do that i only write about places i like and i say positive things about them so i describe myself as a cheerleader i'm a cheerleader for good coffee and my job is to tell you where the good coffee is and to send you there so you can enjoy it as well and that's that's the mission of the coffee spot really well, Brian's Coffee Spot, your blog, really brings these coffee cafes to life. And I love how you describe that, yes, it's the delicious coffee, but it's also the whole attitude and the vibe of the place that really brings it all together. And I so love how you you describe it in a very positive way and and bring it to life for your readers. And, and I know your readers so appreciate that. Your writing style is, is really fun and, and up beat and, and just it really takes you to the place where you are so your um 
your Brian's Coffee Spot is is definitely a favorite blog. And I'm curious, as you've been your first few blogs that you started then in 2012, those 10 spots that you you particularly selected, were those those were all in kind of the UK area, is that right? Yeah, they were they were in Edinburgh, they were in London, and they were in Bristol, which at the time, and still are actually, three of the really big coffee cities in the UK. So London, obviously, is, um, I, I live in Guildford, which is about 25 miles southwest of London, so it's on my doorstep. I had a lot of friends in Bristol. I went to Bristol regularly, and Bristol played a large part in my evolution as a, as a coffee drinker and Edinburgh was where I did my PhD, and again, it, it played an important role in my evolution as a, as a coffee drinker. So those were the three. Those were the three places. But the, the first place I wrote about was in Bristol, a place called the Boston Tea Party, and that's where I first really got my love for just going to cafes and sitting in cafes and being in cafes. And that's, I mean, I'm very pleased that you, you describe the coffee spot as you do, because that's what I'm trying to do. I, did, I didn't ever want to be someone who just wrote about coffee and wrote about the various tastes and flavors, partly because I don't have a, a greatly discerning palate. So when people say, oh, I get hints of rhubarb or strawberry, I, I don't. I, I get sweetness, I get acidity, I get bitterness. Um, so I, I have, if I was writing just about the tastes, I, really, I wouldn't say very much. So I wanted to write about the places because for me, the, pl- the places were more important. I'm, I'm, in many ways, I'm more forgiving of a coffee I don't particularly like in a nice environment than I am about an amazing coffee in a terrible environment. So for me, <laughs> the, the experience of the coffee shop is, is, the, is the key thing. Yes, yes, absolutely. And your travels have taken you all around the world. And um, before we go to break, Brian, share with us, please, what it was like to experience some of the coffee cafes in Vietnam and Thailand recently. Well, Vietnam and, well, in fact, Vietnam and Thailand were, were real revelations to me. The Vietnam was the first place I visited last year. And both countries are coffee growing regions and both countries have a a highly evolved speciality coffee scene that is based on their locally grown coffee and you very rarely get speciality coffee arabica coffee coming out of thailand or vietnam because it's mostly consumed in the country and what i discovered was there was a real passion there we talk in the uk a lot and i know in the us about direct trade about the relationship between the farmer and the end consumer, and particularly the coffee shop. But in in the UK and in the US, uh, with the obvious exception of Hawaii, there's quite a big distance between the farmer and the consumer. You have the farmer, you have the processors, you have the exporters, you have the importers, you have the roasters, you then have the coffee shop and the barista. There's a lot of people in that chain. You go to somewhere like Vietnam, where they're growing coffee in the country, and that chain suddenly shortens, and you're finding coffee shops that have the relationships to the farmers, and the farmers are only a couple of hundred miles away. And then they get a really tight-knit community and a very strong feedback loop. And one of the things they were talking to me about in Thailand, which I've just come back from, I was there a few weeks ago, is the quality of the coffee has really improved year on year. 
because every year the farmers are getting direct feedback from the baristas and the roasters, and the roasters are able to go to the farms. And it's, I mean, this happens um, all over the world, but if you're going from the UK to a coffee farm, you generally are taking uh, a 10 or 12 hour flight and you're making a very long trip of it. These guys can drive up there in a day, see the farmers and drive back again. So they're getting much quicker feedback. They're getting much richer feedback. And it's really improving the quality of the coffee. And I love the way that the, the, the coffee scenes there were supporting the local communities. And of course, because that chain's so much shorter, more of the value of, the, of what you pay for your cup of coffee is going back to the farmer because there aren't so many people in the chain each needing to take their own slice because everybody needs to make a living. So, I'm, you know, I don't, I don't begrudge anybody taking their slice. But when you look at the chain that I described, everybody's got to take something out of that chain. So by the time it gets back to the farmers, the farmers aren't getting that much. Whereas in Vietnam and in Thailand, the, the guys growing the really good speciality coffee, they're seeing an awful lot of the, of the end price of the cup is coming back to the farmers. So they can reinvest that in the farms. They can get better equipment. They can enrich their local communities. And, and for me, that's a very large part of what speciality coffee is all about. Absolutely. That is so wonderful about that connection between the farmer and the end result and getting that feedback to them about how the customers love their coffee. And thank you for sharing that because that's just a wonderful element of specialty coffee is really knowing the farmers and the re- having that relationship. We so appreciate you sharing that, Brian, and we're going to take a quick break. So listeners, please join us right after the break. We're going to talk a little bit more with Brian Williams about some of his travels that he's done also in the U.S. and Japan and Ch- China. So please join us right after the break. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Anikona Farm, where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Anikona Farm, you're investing in new memories, stories, and experiences. We harvest our beans with your future story in our heart. So, from our heart to yours, enjoy the Anikona experience. May your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our Kona coffee with love. Please visit Anikona.com and get your Anikona Story coffee special today. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for you with Arvind Vora, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. 
news, opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to my favorite coffee story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. Again, that's orders at anikona.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to my favorite coffee story. We're talking about a passion for all things coffee with our wonderful guest, Brian Williams, who has a a blog called Brian's Coffee Spot that is just a favorite blog of ours as well as many readers. And we were just sharing with Brian about his experience recently in Vietnam and Thailand about how the relationship between the farmer who's growing the coffee and the end customer is really very close. And we were going to ask you, Brian, a little bit more about your travels that you've done recently in the U.S. and Japan and China. Please share some of your favorite coffee stories from those travels. Well, let's start with Japan. Japan, again, I went to for the first time last year. It has its own intrinsic coffee culture that grew up um, really in the 1940s and 1950s. And it's very different from the coffee culture that I'm used to uh, over here in the U.K. I've, I've very much grown up with this third wave espresso based culture so over in japan you'll get these um old style coffee bars i mean quite often there'll be coffee roasters as well so you'll go in and there'll be a roaster by the door and then you'll go into a long often windowless room with a coffee bar and it's predominantly pour over and they use um i somewhat uh, probably unfairly call them um, old sock filters they're cloth filters uh, a little bit like a, a V60, but it's, it's um, uh, a metal ring with a cloth hanging off from it. Uh, and it's all, I don't know why, but it's always reminding me of a sock, um, hence, hence my internal name for it. And they will, they will just be making coffee almost continuously, uh, pour over coffee. And they often have a menu with 20 or 30 different origin coffees. And you just sit at the bar and you can watch the coffee being made. And that's something that I really appreciate. And it's a, it's a very different coffee culture. And then you, you get your coffee, you take your coffee at the bar, and you'll just sit there drinking, watching, again, watching lots of other people's coffee being made. And... It's, it's a world away from the espresso-based system, and it's a world of, certainly a world away from the Italian stand-at-the-bar style and also the, the, the more traditional UK-American sit-down-at-a-table style of coffee. So that, that was a nice change for me, a different sort of coffee scene. And then I, what I was also able to observe was there's, there's a big influence in Japan from the third-wave coffee roasters. There's a lot of... Um, homegrown roasting and that tends to be quite dark it's um, certainly a little bit darker than i would normally like my coffee roasted but then there's a lot of overseas influence so people like blue bottle from california are over there Katoom from paris has got a, a roastery over there the brooklyn coffee company from brooklyn uh new york is over there and then you've got a couple of others uh from 
one, one from Oslo. And you, you've got this wonderful melding of all these different coffee cultures and different roasting styles. And the, I, the, the coffee culture in Japan really needs to be experienced because it is, it is it's very much its own thing. You can see the influences. But my favorite places were the ones that had really taken the, the Japanese elements and adopted the third wave elements and made them their own. There was a, a, there's a beautiful cafe called the Vermilion Cafe, which is in Kyoto, the old imperial capital. And it's actually on the, a little bit outside the city center at the foot of a hill, which has 10,000 Vermilion gates on it. Uh, and it's a, it's a shrine. And one of the things... Um, I would recommend doing is going up to the hill at sunset to watch the sunset over Kyoto. But make sure you stop at Vermilion before you go up there because it is the most beautiful location for a coffee shop. And I, I remember when I wrote about it, I said this might be the perfect location for a coffee shop. It's a beautiful building in itself. It's long and thin. And then at the back, they've got a, a small terrace patio overlooking a lake. Um, I don't know quite why, but it just, when I got there, it was just the most perfect place to sit and drink coffee. And I remember sitting there just being idyllically happy. <laughs> it's yes. the best way I can describe it. And the coffee is very good as well. Oh, that sounds beautiful, Brian. And when you write your blog, my impression is that you take notes um, while you're there, but you're really in the moment there in the cafe, like in that beautiful cafe there in coffee shop in Kyoto. But then you might actually write the formal blog at some other point using your notes. Is that right? Yeah. So what I tend to do is I go, I go into the coffee shop. I never announce who I am. I never, if I can help it, make arrangements to visit beforehand. I want to experience the coffee shop as the average person coming off the street would experience the coffee shop. I don't want people to make a fuss of me. I don't want people making special coffee for me. So I'll go in, I'll have a conversation with the barista, I'll order some coffee, sometimes I'll order some cake, sometimes I'll have some food, and then I will take it and I will just sit at my table and I will make some notes, make some observations, um, drink the coffee, eat the cake, eat food. Um, and then when I've finished and I've made all my notes, and that can take anything up to about an hour, then I'll go back to the barista and then I'll introduce myself. I'll say who I am. And I will always ask permission to take photographs. So I, ne I never, I mean, I might take a photograph of my cup of coffee on the table, but I won't go around taking photographs of the, of the coffee shop unless I've been given permission. And I think I'm, I'm coming close to a thousand coffee shops I've visited now over the time I've been doing the coffee spot. And I think I've been refused permission maybe four times. Um, so it, it, it's, it's a strategy that works really well for me. And you're right, I take those notes and then I go away and I, and I write it up and I t edit all the photographs because, again, for me, it's very important to give people a visual feel. I know quite a lot of people are very visual as opposed to wordy. So you can look through the photographs and get a feel. And other people like to read my descriptions and they get a feel from the descriptions. But I put all that together and then I, I, I post that. And sometimes I post that the next day. Sometimes it might be anything up to six months or a year later, just because I've got so many places. So just to give you an example, I've come back from Thailand and I visited, I think it's 18 coffee shops in the two weeks I was in Thailand. 
that I intend to write up and put on the coffee spot. And there's no way I could do that while I was there. So those are going to come on the coffee spot over the hopefully over the next year, um, just interspersed every now and then. There'll, there'll be a little there'll be a little flashback to when I was in Thailand. Yes, fantastic. And uh, if I saw correctly, Ryan, I think your blog today was a coffee shop in New Orleans. So that brings us to some of your travels to the U.S. Please share about that. So I've been coming to the U.S. I first came in 1998 uh, and I, I went over to New England. Well, I went over to Washington, D.C. and I did a trip that was Washington, D.C., New York and Boston. And then I flew back from Boston. And when I went over, I knew one person in America, my friend Jeannie. And my friend Jeannie introduced me to her uh, then housemate. And then they introduced me to some friends of theirs. And the friends of theirs introduced me to some more friends. And so by the time I'd finished that trip, I knew people in Washington, D.C., in New York, in Boston. And I also knew people in Chicago. And then the next year I went over and I met more people. And they introduced me to more people. And I've been going pretty much every year for at least once a year uh, ever since. And so I've got this network of people I know around around the state. So when, when I started the coffee spot, it was just natural for me on my trips to America to start writing about coffee shops that I, I like to visit. So you'll notice there's quite a few from Boston. There's quite a few from New York. There's quite a few from Philadelphia, which is a city I hadn't visited until I started the coffee spot. But actually, there's a guy there, there called Greg who invited me down, and he uh, used to run an app called the Coffee Guru app. And he was quite instrumental. As I say, he got me down to Philadelphia. He showed me around. And Philly's got an amazing coffee scene. Philly's one of these cities, um, a little bit like Manchester in the UK, which isn't a city everybody thinks of when they think of the country. And it's close to New York. It's got a little bit of a chip on its shoulder because it, it, it isn't New York. But it's a lovely city. It's a really friendly city. And it's got a great coffee scene. So I love going to places like Philadelphia. And then in the last couple of years, I've been really lucky. I've had a job that has paid me to travel um, and has gotten me traveling much wider across the state. So I've been going to places like Phoenix and Miami uh, I've also gone out to Chicago a good few times. And what I do now is I try, whenever I go out to the States, if it's for work or if it's for visiting friends, I always try and build a sort of coffee trip around it. So the one you talked about was my most recent trip. I actually was out in Boston visiting friends. And then I had three weeks uh, before I had to be in Phoenix. And I thought, oh, three weeks. So I could fly back to the UK, uh, get jet lag hang around for a week, fly back to the U.S., get jet lag again. Um, or I thought I could just stay in the States. And what he decided to do was stay in the States and take the train all the way from Boston in uh, the northeast all the way down to Phoenix in the southwest. Now, you can't actually do that complete journey because, unfortunately, Phoenix does not have a train station anymore. So the cl- I got to Tucson in Arizona, and then I hired a car and cheated in the last bit. But I did that whole trip on the train, and I stopped off from various places on the way. I stopped off at New York. I stopped off at Philly. I stopped off in Washington, D.C. And then I got the train from there all the way down to New Orleans, which I had visited about eight years ago, but that was before my coffee spot days. So I got to explore this whole new coffee scene in New Orleans. And then I got the train from New Orleans all the way across Texas, which took a whole day, by the way. Texas is so big. Uh, <laughs> and then ended up in Tucson, Arizona. It's the first time I've been in Tucson. So got to explore the coffee scene there. 
and got out into the desert and just did, hiked around with some, well, we, I was going to say with some cactuses. It kind of in, implies the cactuses were hiking with me. I hiked amongst the cactuses and then I ended up in Phoenix. And Phoenix, again, has got a lovely coffee scene. Really, I'm very impressed with the, with the, with the coffee scene in Phoenix. But that's what I do these days. I travel quite a lot, um, but I, I try as much as possible to incorporate coffee and visiting coffee places as I go. Yes, and Brian, I hope you'll come visit us here in Hawaii on the Big Island and we can share some Kona coffee with you and and uh, experience how those trees grow right in that lava rock and get their rich minerals. So I hope you'll come visit us sometime. That would, would be would just a real to. pleasure. Yeah, I would love to. Um, it's certainly, I've, I've um, flown around the world once. I did a trip oh, about two and a half years ago now where I flew from the UK to Hong Kong and then I did Hong Kong to China and I did China to Chicago and then in Chicago back to the UK. But I'd love to do a trip where I could go across the Pacific and stop off at, um, at Hawaii and it would be wonderful if I could maybe incorporate that into another round-the-world trip and maybe go from Hawaii to onto places like Australia and New Zealand, which I still haven't visited. They have fantastic coffee scenes. But yeah, I'd I'd absolutely love to come back to Hawaii. That would be wonderful. Uh, Before we go to break, Brian, we um, also would love to share with our listeners, not only have you been doing Brian's Coffee Spot blog, but you've also written a book, and it's called The Philosophy of Coffee. And please share with us in a couple minutes, sort of, what are some of your favorite parts of the book, please? So The Philosophy of Coffee, it's a very small book, um, it's, um, and it's in little bite-sized chapters, and each one covers a different aspect of coffee, and it's really a history of coffee, despite the name, The Philosophy of Coffee. So it starts off in Ethiopia with the origins of coffee, and then it explores how coffee spread around the world, and it looks at the different aspects of coffee. So one of my favorite parts is actually something we were talking about earlier, the, the, the direct trade, the feedback of the farmers. And right at the end of the book, I'm looking at the future of coffee and some of the challenges that coffee has going forward. And one of the things that I'm quite passionate about is coffee has to be something that's for social good. It can't just be a commodity crop. And I think that for the future of coffee to be secure, we have to make sure that the next generation of coffee farmers, because you've got to remember most places around the world, coffee farming is very much still a subsistence crop. And we have to make sure that the next generation can see that coffee farming is going to be better than just being a subsistence crop. We have to give them the belief that, and and not just the belief, we have to then deliver on that, that coffee farming can give them a livelihood that can provide for families that can provide for something for their children to take forward and grow and the only way we're going to do that is by pushing value back down the chain so that more and more of the money that we spend on coffee goes back to the farmers and i think that's a bigger challenge as say global warming is because we can solve all the other technical problems, but if people aren't on the land growing coffee because they don't see a future in it and because they don't see a career in it, there won't be any coffee. There'll, there'll be the vast mechanized farms producing lower-grade commodity coffee, but there won't be this wonderful world of speciality coffee. 
And I, I do wonder if in 10 or 20 years' time we're going to look back at this, this moment, these, these last 10 years, and say, wow, that was a wonderful time to be in coffee, but it's gone. I'm hoping that's not the case. I'm hoping that this is the start of something that will be sustainable and that will grow and that we'll look back and say, wow, that was the start of something great. But we can't take that for granted. So that's something that I'm really, I'm really keen on, getting that message across. And it's so wonderful that you have written about that, Brian, and it's so true and very important. And we look forward to talking with you a little bit more about your book right after the break. So listeners, please join us as we're talking with Brian Williams, who has a wonderful blog, Brian's Coffee Spot. We're talking about a passion for all things coffee. So please join us right after the break. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Anikona Farm, where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Anikona Farm, you're investing in new memories, stories, and experiences. We harvest our beans with your future story in our heart. So, from our heart to yours, enjoy the Anikona experience. May your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our Kona coffee with love. Please visit Anikona.com and get your Anikona Story coffee special today. Voice America Network proudly presents the Catherine Zox Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to the Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. News, opinion, your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787, 1-866-472-5787, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to My Favorite Coffee Story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. Again, that's orders at anikona.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to My Favorite Coffee Story. We're having such a fun show with Brian Williams. We're talking about a passion for all things coffee. And we're just talking with Brian about his book he's written, The Philosophy of Coffee, and and his favorite part, that talking about the sustainability of coffee and, and really working and making sure the farmers have... A, a good situation as they're growing that specialty coffee. And, and Brian, we're going to ask you a little bit more about um, when you wrote your book, 
Was there something surprising that came out of the book as you were as you were talking about the history of coffee and the philosophy of coffee? Please share. Well, yes, there were, in fact, there was a lot of surprising things that came out of the book. I, I When I started to write the book, I thought I knew a lot about coffee, and then I, I did the research, and I realized there was an awful lot of things I didn't know about coffee. So the, the first thing that, that I came across was the role that Islam played in the early years of coffee. And I think it's fair to say that without Islam, we probably wouldn't have coffee in, in the way that we have it today. So coffee originated in Ethiopia probably about a millennia ago. There's no written records of it, but it's come down to us in terms of legend. But the real, the first written records of coffee come from the Islamic world. And it was something that was taken up mostly by the Sufi uh, side of the religion. And it was a ritual drink that was used in religious rituals. But it, it, it kind of escaped from the religious setting and became a social drink. Now, you have to remember that in Islam alcohol is forbidden. So there is no equivalent of tavern, there's no equivalent of wine. So coffee filled that social role that alcohol filled in other cultures. And what we found is that the, the, the rise of the coffee shop is intrinsically linked to the rise of, of that social space. And coffee shops became places where people could get together, they would talk about well, everything, as you do in a, in a coffee shop today. They talked about politics, they swapped stories, they swapped news, and the coffee shop became, I think, really more than the coffee. It was the focal point. And the coffee shop spread across the Islamic empires of the time. So it started off really in Egypt and then spread to Damascus and then uh, went as far as Istanbul, uh, Constantinople as was. And but it was still very much then a, a, an Islamic thing. And coffee started to be exported from the Islamic world into Europe. But it was a very, very slow process. And one of the things that I discovered is there's an awful lot of myths about coffee. And a lot of it is romanticized. It's about people smuggling coffee beans and seducing people and getting coffee plants as rewards. And I don't actually believe any of those stories are actually true. I think when it comes down to it, it is mostly hard-headed commercial interest that gave rise to the spread of coffee. But key was coffee came to Europe, but no one in Europe had any way of growing it because we don't have the climate for it in Europe. And it was only really, and this is the dark side of coffee that I hadn't understood before I researched the book, but it was as European... European imperialism spread around the globe, that coffee spread around the globe. So the first people to really commercially cultivate coffee outside of its heartland of um, the Yemen and Ethiopia were the, uh, were, uh, the Indonesian, sorry, were the Dutch in Indonesia. They had these uh, plantations and they started growing coffee on, on a commercial scale and they very quickly took over the global production of coffee. And then as the various European empires spread, people realized they could grow coffee as a cash crop. So coffee moved from Indonesia to the Caribbean, that's taken there by the French. And then from there, it went to Brazil, uh, through Central America, and soon it became a global crop. And you can follow that spread all around the, the world. But it is largely a spread of 
European imperialism and, sad to say, slavery. An awful lot of the people working on the coffee plantations were slaves. In the Caribbean, that was the case. In Indonesia, I don't believe they were slaves, but they were poorly paid local indigenous population. And they certainly weren't seeing the value of the crop. And then when uh, coffee spread to Brazil, again, it was largely a slave-driven um, cultivation. Now, thankfully, we got rid of that. But what we haven't got rid of, uh, except really at the, at the high end of the coffee market, is it's still largely a subsistence crop. It's still a crop which generates a vast amount of profit, but not for the individual farmers. And again, that ties back into one of the constant themes that's been running through this talk is the need to get the value back to the individual producers. So that was, that was something that I knew virtually nothing about until I started researching the book, the way that Islam initially promoted the spread of coffee and then how European imperialism and slavery took it over and spread it around the world. And that was a real revelation to me. That certainly is a huge revelation, and how you cover the history of coffee in your book is is just amazing, and thank you for sharing with us, with our listeners, such an inspiring story. We really appreciate it, Brian. Your, um, your book is um, really interesting, and I love how you also go into the origin and history of coffee and take us through sort of more of a philosophical look as well. Are you thinking of writing any future books by chance? Um, there's nothing in the pipeline as yet. I would certainly, I'd be very happy to write another book. I think that the key thing with, with writing books, unlike blogs, which you can just put on the internet and see if anyone comes and reads it. Um, with books, you really need publishers. So I was very lucky that the Philosophy of Coffee is published by the British Library, and they actually approached me and asked me to write it, which was a, a, a real sort of feather in my cap to, to be asked to write such a prestigious book. So I think really it's a case of, of, of seeing if there are any other publishers out there who've got ideas for books they want written or vice versa, who would be happy for me to, to write a book for them. So if you are a publisher listening to this, then please do get in <laughs> touch because I would, I would love to, to write another book. And, and certainly one of the things I really enjoyed about writing The Philosophy of Coffee was the research. And because it's such a slim volume, there's so much material that just never made it into the book. So I've got reams and reams of notes. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of uh, positioning myself here for a, for a sequel, but yes, I'll leave I it can, at that. I can picture that. But I do know you have some immediate projects coming up. You, you're attending the Glasgow Coffee Festival on May 19th. Please share with us about the festival, some of your favorite parts of attending coffee festivals, the people you meet there, and um, what you're expecting to find there at Glasgow Coffee Festival. So coffee festivals have really become a big thing in the UK now. And I know in the US there are, there are increasing numbers of coffee festivals. I mean, really, I, five or six years ago, there was, there was hardly anything. There was the London Coffee Festival, but that was much smaller than it is now. One of the nice things is the, the proliferation of coffee festivals. So the Glasgow Coffee Festival is, is run by a, a lady called Lisa Lawson, who is, I've known for several years now. She runs a roastery called Dear Green Coffee. And it started off as a, a day-long event, and it's now spread over to a whole weekend. And it's a celebration of Scotland's coffee culture. But it's more than just Scotland. So there'll, there'll be roasters there from 
uh, around the UK and their equipment manufacturers there, but it's predominantly Scottish. Uh, and Scotland's got a lovely coffee scene now. There are a lot of small roasters, and they're not just confined, because it used to be the case three or four years ago, where it was really only in Edinburgh and Glasgow. And now you're finding coffee spreading out all over the place. There's little towns like Aberfeldy has a great coffee roastery. The Isle of Skye has got a couple of coffee roasteries, really quite remote places that you wouldn't expect. I've got great coffee roasteries, great coffee shops. And it's really a celebration of that. Now, uh, I'm looking forward primarily to getting up there and, and meeting both my old friends, because I've, I've now got a lot of friends in the Scottish roastering, uh, roastering, in the Scottish coffee business, various coffee roasteries, various coffee shops. So I'm looking forward to catching up with them, seeing what they've been doing. And I'm looking forward to meeting new people, because as much as I travel, I still can't get around nearly as much as I would like. So things like the coffee festivals are a great opportunity to meet say, the roasters, Glen Lyon from Aberfeldy, who I still haven't managed to go and visit. So it's a, it's a fantastic opportunity to catch up with people and just talk coffee with people, with, you know, with really passionate people who care about coffee and who love coffee. And that, that's the best part of it. Well, and we can't wait to to read your blog about how the festival went and and uh, taking your readers there to, to the festival with you. So uh, we wish you a wonderful trip and a nice time there at the coffee festival. Some of your future travels, uh, what's on the horizon, Brian? So this, this year, um, there's a... A few trips around the UK. I'm hopefully going out to Amsterdam for the World of Coffee event there. But the next big trip's going to be out to Chicago, which, again, is another wonderful city with an amazing coffee scene. And that's at the end of August. And then I'm going back to Japan and Tokyo and hopefully down to Kyoto again um, at the end of October. And in amongst all of that, there'll be just various day trips around to, to cities in the UK. Because one of the things for the last couple of years, because I've travelled so much um, around the world, I've kind of I haven't exactly neglected the UK, but there's so many places now in the UK with such good coffee scenes that I've either haven't been to, or the last time I was there was three or four years ago, and things have come on leaps and bounds. So I've got a long list of places that I I want to go back to. But just one thing I wanted to touch on with the Glasgow Coffee Festival before we leave that topic completely is uh, another of my particular hobby horses is um, about disposable cups. And one of the things that annoys me about the coffee culture that's grown up is that we seem very happy to just take a coffee cup and throw it away at the end of our coffee drinking experience. And so for the last few years, I've been really on a, on a mission to try and get people to stop using disposable coffee cups and, re, and take their own reusable coffee cups with them. And one of the nice things about the Glasgow Coffee Festival this year is it's going completely reusable. So coffee festivals used to be you turn up and every, pers- every coffee stand would have hundreds of disposable cups and everybody offered a sample of coffee and you take the sample of coffee and then you just throw this cup away at the end of the experience. And now everybody who comes to the coffee festival will be encouraged to bring their own cup. If they don't bring their own cup, uh, a company called Keep Cup is going to be there and they'll be loaning people cups for the festival. And the idea is that everybody will have you know, one reusable cup that they'll take round with them. And I think that's such a good idea because as a, 
as an industry, we need to cut down on waste. We need to cut down on the amount of pollution that we cause. And coffee cups are particularly bad for this because most of them are lined with plastic. They're exceedingly hard to recycle. So they, generally, they don't get recycled. The numbers of coffee cups that get recycled in the UK is incredibly small. So most of them just go into landfill, and it's such a terrible waste. So I, I've really been promoting that for the last couple of years, and I'm very glad to see, and I'm not claiming credit for this, by the way. The, the, this is a, an independent um, yes. initiative by the Glasgow Coffee Festival, but it's lovely to see the mainstream of the speciality industry now getting behind that message and really starting to to get behind reusable cups and, and cut down on disposable waste. Oh, that's such a, that's great news. And um, once again, really looking forward to hearing about the Glasgow Coffee Festival some more in your blogs. And as we close here, Brian, we would love to ask you for our listeners as we've been sharing about Brian's Coffee Spot, your blog and your book and how you're passionate about all things coffee. How would you describe your dreams, Brian, for our listeners? My dreams as in what, the future of coffee or my personal? Your personal dreams possibly as you, as you go through your journey. To be honest, I'm, I'm pretty much living the dream at the moment. I, as I alluded to earlier, I'm very fortunate. I have a part-time job that pays me very well and also pays me to travel. So I'm, I'm in a very fortunate position that I can indulge my passion, which is the coffee spot, which, by the way, is a hobby. It's not something I make any money out of and it doesn't support me. And I, didn't, I wouldn't want it to because at the end of the day, it's a thing that I do for the love of coffee. And I wouldn't want it to be a commercial enterprise. I'm very happy that it, it's, it is a hobby. And, yeah, I'm very fortunate. And not many people have that opportunity. So, as I say, I'm, I'm pretty much living the dream. I'm traveling. I'm seeing parts of the world I'd never seen before. I think the thing I would like to do in the next couple of years is visit coffee farms. I've never been to a coffee farm. So when I was out in Thailand and when I was out in Vietnam, I was making contacts there to maybe go back next year and visit coffee farms and it will be wonderful to come to hawaii uh, and visit your coffee farm and also then really to extend my my scope to africa and to central america and south america and visit coffee farms there and that's something that i that's the, the one thing i think that's missing from my experience at the moment is i've not gone all that way back to origin and actually seen coffee growing in the wild so i think that's the that's my big dream at the moment Yes, and that that will be wonderful, and I know you're going to get there, and we are so excited for you, Brian, as you share your blog with readers and share your passion for all things coffee, and we really enjoyed our chat today. Thank you so much for joining us, Brian, as we've gone through talking about your your travels and sharing wonderful places around the world that that are coffee spots for your readers and also sharing and inspiring our listeners today. So thank you so much, Brian, for being with us today. We've had such a nice chat and really enjoying about 
how it's so fun to hear about even the history of coffee. So that was really a nice, nice summary that Brian gave us. So appreciated that, Brian. So please, listeners, we hope that you've had a nice time with us today. You can always um, have our gift on anikona.com for our listeners and questions. Certainly you can share your questions at radio at myfavoritecoffeestory.com. We've had such a nice time talking about a passion for all things coffee today. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to being together again on another My Favorite Coffee Story. It's been so nice to be together today. Thank you, and we wish you a wonderful aloha. Thank you for taking an hour out of your busy week to join us on My Favorite Coffee Story. Please tune in again for another edition with your host, Aniko Samoji, next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, we hope you'll have a relaxing week.